we'll be going to Hebrews chapter 10 after a while, but uh, not, not right now. Um, but it talks about the fact of how we as a body can build each other up. But let's take our Bibles and open them to uh, the book of Romans, <clears throat> Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Um, I believe we'll begin reading at verse 18, and we'll go through verse 30. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the firstfruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What then? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? May God add a special blessing to the reading of his word, and let us just pause for prayer this afternoon, prior to our study. Father God, we come again into your presence and thanking you for the day that we can be a part of. We thank you for those that have gathered today and their interest in learning more of you and praising and worshiping your name. And the opportunity we had to also corporately gather in prayer surrounding you with our petitions, things that are concerning us and lifting them to you, aligning our will with yours. I thought that we would pray for those that were not able to be here as well today, that you would protect them and provide for them and wrap your arms around them. And Father, now each moment's before us, as we commune with you through the Spirit, who we ask would exclusively be our teacher, that the Word of God would go out and it would, it would uh, encourage and fulfill the purposes of conforming us to the image of your Son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, we've been uh, engaged in a study, uh, more or less, uh, about grace. Uh, getting an understanding of it, maybe getting, uh, I don't know that we'll fully get that, but at the same time, the importance of it, obviously, and, and uh, how we access it. And we've been going through a lot of different aspects of that, and today I'd like to look at another, actually just about three verses out of the section that we read today, um, what Grace describes as being certain, something that we can count on, something that we can know beyond the shadow of a doubt because it's wrapped up in the package 
of grace. And verse 28 is a verse that many of you know and have used uh, at different times probably in your life, but um, I would like to just read it again, uh, verse 28 of Romans chapter 8, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Um, those first three words in that, in that verse, and we know. These are things you can depend on. It isn't something that, oh, we hope so, we wish, hope it could be that way. No, these are promise. This is a promise literally completely enveloped within the very package of grace. We can know this, that this is true. There's security in that, a tremendous amount of security, quite honestly. Uh, we find in, in uh, actually, we're, it's interesting as you unpackage grace, um, the full trinity, if you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, each one of those, in essence one, obviously, one God, three personalities, one essence, but it's amazing how they all have parts in the sense of establishing, securing, and um, what's the word we're looking for? Confirming salvation and grace. It, it's amazing. They just have their, and we're going to be looking at some of that today, and particularly in the sense of, of certainty. Uh, one thing that we're going to almost work backwards today, which is a little bit odd. Uh, we read from verses 18 through verse 31, but uh, verse 31 is maybe the great place to start. Literally, if God be for us, who can be against us? God is for you. Right? Just, 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 let's just wrap that around, around our head right now. God is for you. Now, again, I'm going to, that, there, is, there is a disclaimer. If you've not trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then that you can't say yet. But if you've trusted Jesus and he is your trust for your sins, your future and all of that, and you just literally have placed yourself in the arms of him, that is something that is a promise to you. God is for you. <laughs> That's deep. It's unfathomable. The, the, the riches that are just in, enveloped in everything. And because of that, that God is for you, then we can go back to verse 28 and it means even more to us. We can know you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt, absolutely no question about it, unequivocally, we can count on the fact that God will work all things for our good. It does not say that all things are good. And as someone should have said amen, because that's absolutely true. There are those days, those events, those situations that are just overwhelming. But we can know that God is working all things for our good. Uh, the other thing that's interesting, uh, just turn with me quickly, just over a couple of pages, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Uh, in these days, we need more faith, don't we? I think of those even that Jesus came in contact with, and he, he had asked them to respond with faith. And one I know in particular said, give me more faith. I, just help me with my lack of faith. And I think we're there sometimes... Uh, uh, even this week, there were moments in my life that, I, Lord, give me more faith. Um, it's interesting, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, it says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. As we're engaged today in unfolding and unpacking the Word of God and His promises, it's important for you to notice and to realize that literally your faith is strengthened by the very essence of reviewing, reiterating, and immersing yourself in the Word of God. That's where faith literally comes from, according to the Word of God. I want to, you know, it's a little bit aside, but it's so very, very true to us. And we know. Uh, I think that's a key as well. There are, there are many ways uh, to, to get to our hearts. Uh, 
um, I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to just seem it in churches, but a lot of individuals, a lot of programs, a lot of uh, outreaches uh, want to work through our hearts, through our emotions, and get us to feel good. And is there anything wrong with feeling good? Uh, that's not the way to get to your heart. Your heart, you have to know, you have to come through your head. The quickest and the best way to get to your heart. If you try to go to your heart without your head, you're in deep trouble. You have a roller coaster ride, won't you? Feelings in and of themselves are very insecure, very unfoundational. But as we know, standing on God's promises, the best way, literally, to get to our heart. Uh, not only is this promise certain, but it's also comprehensive. I maybe write down a few things for you today. We're going to be jumping around a little bit, but it, this promise is certain. You know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. We know it's also comprehensive. In other words, that word all, everything, the good days, the bad days, the good events, the bad, the hail, the snow, the cold, the wet, the hot, the dry. Did I miss anything? Excuse, excuse me? Humidity. Humidity, okay. We're, we're gathering it all up, aren't we? Yeah. And interesting, on all of those things, in every complexity of whatever it might bring to us, those God can use, I'm going to say sovereignly, to bring fruition in the sense of comprehensive goodness. And, and again, behind all of this, behind all of this, whether things are good or bad or indifferent, He uses them for your, I'm going to say this numerous times today, he's using it for your good and for his glory. Don't ever forget that. It's your good and his glory. Now, now Satan loves to use circumstance situations to try to destroy you. He wants to take faith away from you. He wants to break you down. He wants to have you basically not even defending where you're at. You're doubting everything. That's his job. That's what he loves to do. He's a liar. He's a father of it. We talked about that last week at the fairgrounds, actually. Uh, And he does it very well. He's very accomplished. On his resume, he is, in fact, the greatest liar of all time. He, in fact, deceived himself believing that he could become God. Isn't that something? When you're lying that bad, you can deceive yourself. And he did that. But he's going to work at you. But God's purpose literally is for your good and his glory. Not only is it comprehensive, but it's also cooperative. Notice in that verse, we know that all things work together. Work together. How many, uh, how many things in the United States today at any level are working together? It's almost sad, isn't it? Uh, once in a while, I'll catch Fox News on uh, 114 XM radio. Um, and it's, it's just almost unimaginable the level that we've dropped to. But the word that actually we find in the Greek is S-U-N-E-R-G-E-O. I'm not exactly how to say it, but sugero, something of that nature. Uh, But the point of the matter is working together. There's a word that we get from that, synergy. Synergy. See, that's a word that's starting to resonate. I see some of you nodding. Uh, It's like working together actually is more than the single elements. And or, for instance, you guys know what salt is made of? N-A-C-L? Your chemistry coming back to you? Sodium and chloride. Now, sodium plus chloride, now that's two poisons. If you took either one by themselves, you would be dead. But synergistically, when we add sodium to chloride, we get salt, which is very useful. In fact, I can't imagine my life without salt. 
even a, I'm thinking of a cow's life, quite honestly. You remove salt from her or him for a long period of time, and they literally go crazy. They're salt-starved. But isn't it interesting? Working together synergistically, God using good and bad, or maybe bad and bad. Maybe in your last week it's been bad, 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 bad. But all of that in the sense of God's timing and him synergistically being able to accomplish his good in difficult circumstances because he is looking to the very end. So it's cooperatively. Oh, I'm sorry, I should have written that down, didn't I? Uh, cooperatively. So it's not only certain, it's not only comprehensive, it's not only cooperatively, but it's also that his goal is very, very clear. I want to, again, let's read the verse. We know, it's certain, that all things, comprehensive, work together cooperatively for good. For good. It's very clear. You, he, he wants what is ultimately good. We'll be talking about that as, as we go on today. But it is conditional. There's one more thing. It's conditional. And you say, aha, I knew there was a catch. It is conditional. Now, there's actually two conditions that are, that are, that are raised here. One, and can you name them for me? And you've obviously looked at the verse. Number one is, excuse me, those that love God. It's important that, that th- these promises that are certain, comprehensive, um, cooperative, and they are conditional. You must love God. And be called. And you say, well, that's a little tricky. Bottom line is this. If you truly are a Christian, if you've truly accepted Jesus Christ, you do love God and you do step out in faith and you have accepted the promises of grace that he has given to you. And you say, wow, that sounds so easy, doesn't it? Tomorrow, I'm not going to name a time again. Do you remember that when we did that uh, a couple of weeks ago? Shame on me. Shame on me. Yeah. Remember, what was the time? 8.13. 8.13. It was 8.13. By 8.13, there was more than one disaster that happened at our place. I'm looking at Jeff because I think his main line blew up at like 5.30, right? And it was by 8.13, I was on my 813th disaster. That's what that day meant, right? So we're not going to do that again. We're, gonna, we're just going to lay it out there. But, but the point of the matter is um, when difficult times come, difficult things come, it's hard sometimes for us to because we see only here and now. That's the other thing. God is... God has the, what I would call the 30,000-foot level. All of those things that are disasters to us, all of those things, and then there are good times, too. I don't want to, but it's amazing how, we, how those just fall apart and we minimize those. The distinctness of those just fly out the window when we have this mini-disaster or this microburst of just, ah, right? I see a few noddings going on. It's, that's the way it is, isn't it? But when God sees it from all above and he sees all of these things and he's interacting them, and it's amazing how he works amongst us because he's also when that one or two people within any group, a church body such as this, it's amazing how he will bring those from, how do I want to say this, bring those from within the group actually become closer together when you're in a difficult situation because he literally, the Holy Spirit will bring you into his work. And it makes everything stronger. I didn't say it was funner. And that's the word I wanted to use was funner. It's not funner, but it's better. Now, the interesting part is there's an all of this that makes this all possible. And this verse, you see, the other thing that makes this verse even stronger is the next two verses we're going to go. And we're going to back up again. 
We're going to actually backdoor again. And you say, well, why did Paul write this in reverse? Well, he didn't, but I'm using it in reverse. First of all, God is for us, verse 31. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purposes. But I want to take another step back. I want to see how God is working in all of this. Because we see circumstances in verse 28, but I want to go beyond that. I want to get into verses 26 and 27. I want to really tie in there because this starts to see the potential. I shouldn't say potential. The involvement that God himself has. It's amazing. So let's look at verses 26 and 27. We'll read them, and then we kind of want to come back into working our way through it. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit... Also help with our... So let's stop for a moment. Uh, You said, well, you're going to... Okay, let's read them, and we'll come back. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, there's a whole lot of stuff going on in those two verses. Now, first of all, I'd say it says likewise. What do you mean likewise? Go to verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth and pain together until now. Isn't it interesting? You look around in the world of which we find ourselves, and literally the whole creation is just groaning and in travail of what literally the curse of sin has brought to to the planet and to the entire universe. Isn't it true? It's absolutely true. I mean, it's even tough being a weed nowadays, isn't it? And it's, you, it's, it's not easy being anything, right? Everybody's working so hard to destroy everything else in the chaos. In Washington, D.C., I think there's a lot more weeds there than there ever was before. You can take that any way you want. It's, 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 it's amazing, isn't it? And, and that word groaning and travailing. Oh, the agony. Ah. Likewise, that's what is according here. Let's look at verse 26. Likewise, the same way as the world, the creation is growing. Likewise, the Spirit, capital S, also helpeth our infirmities. Infirmity also helpeth. How does he do that? Now, did you notice in verse 28, we said, we know. Did you see that? Look in verse 22. We just read it. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth. But look at verse 26. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Have you ever had a week or a day or a month or a year or a moment like that where you, God, I'm so wiped out. I'm so, I I don't even know what to pray for. And if I was going to be honest, every single hand would go up because that's the way it works. And those moments, you just don't even know what to pray for. Right? Let's be honest with ourselves. My week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, where I couldn't even really pray. I just said, God help me, right? That's as far as it went. Anything wrong with that? No. Those are bullet prayers. I call them bullet prayers. But that's really what it is. And you know what? This is so good. This is so cool. In those moments, two things are happening, at least two, maybe more. But number one, this verse tells us that the Holy Spirit is praying for you when you can't pray for you or anyone else. He is interceding for you. I'm sorry, it's a little loud, but that's okay. I wanted to break through this because that's a really big deal. Think of that, interceding. And that word intercession means to rescue, 
to literally save you out of what would be sure disaster. Isn't that stout? That's amazing. Now, that's part of, again, this is all under the umbrella of grace. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, Lord, there's a lot of things. Isn't it amazing? Have you ever bought a car sometimes and you didn't even know what all the accessories were? You went, oh, what does that button do? You still, <laughs> all right. And what do we have to do? Sometimes we've got to take the owner's manual out and last court. No, see, nobody's, no, no, you don't do that. But you could, let's say you could, and you could learn all about your vehicle. But isn't it amazing? Sometimes when we purchase something, we don't even have an understanding of what it, I, I remember getting some software, and maybe it's on a GPS on some of our tractors, and I'm like, that can do that? I did not know that. You know, what's a Christian unfolding and seeing what the Holy Spirit, what God the Father, what God the Son, really, it's part of what he's done for you. How many of you have known that literally in those worst days, those worst moments, you have nothing left to give? You're so stressed out. The Holy Spirit is literally groaning, that's praying for you himself. I want to I stress that. I can't, it just hit me right now. Look at this, how it's worded. It's not like the Holy, no, stay, don't, don't read it. You, you're, don't, don't, don't go there yet. Because it's like the Holy Spirit, yeah, you know, I'm going to have that, that angel pray for that guy. I'm going to have that angel pray for that guy and then for that gal. Look at, look at this. Look at this. This is so beautiful. Watch this. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself or itself, depending on your version. Did you see that? Himself maketh intercession for us. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how many are in this room? I don't know, but let's just say it's 30. I'm not counting. I'm just saying. Let's say, you know what? In every single case, if you've, again, the disclaimer is a conditional. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit himself is praying and intercessing, rescuing you himself. Oh, my word. Are you getting excited? Well, you should be because that's pretty exciting. Making intercession for you. When you don't know what to pray for, when you don't know what to do, and it says that he is making with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, there have been those that have, have some tried to simulate the fact that that is tongues. That is not. This is Holy Spirit language. This is truly not something that's audible, nothing heard. It's within you as being a believer because you've been... Let's look at the position that, G, that Holy Spirit takes you. When you become a Christian... He takes a brand new position with you, talking of the Holy Spirit. You are sealed. That's the word that's sealed. Now, remember, I'm going to talk about that word for a second. You remember Daniel in the lion's den? Boy, that would be a day I wouldn't want to trade, right? That was a bummer. That was a bad day. Does everything right? Gets thrown in the lion's den? You know what happened? Let's go there. Let's find this because you're going to find the same thing as here. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. Old Testament. Daniel chapter 6. He's a cool guy, wasn't he? High profile, held his ground, wasn't caustic, wasn't mouthy. He just did his job and did it for God. Daniel chapter 6. Um, let's try to slip into his sandals for a moment. Um, well, it's going to take too long. How about that? Let's, uh, you all know the story anyway. There was presidents, there was princes that were trying to find occasion against Daniel because he was a godly man. And so they said, the only way we're going to get him is to get at him with his God. I mean, that, he's really tight with God. He, they're tight, him and God. So somewhere we've got to get this figured out. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to make the king, we're going to make him like, look like God for a little while. And everybody that doesn't bow down to him and worship him is going to have a problem. They're going to go into the lion's den. And they said, we can get to Daniel. You know what? They knew enough about Daniel to know that he wouldn't cave. 
You know, some people say, well, you know, just a day or two, whatever. You know, God, God understands. Not, not, not Daniel. In fact, let's look. Let's look now in verse, uh, verse, 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 verse 10. This writing was confirmed anyway. In verse 10, chapter 6 of Daniel, it says, When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened into his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Nothing changed. His relationship was just tight. If anything, God's tighter, right? Okay. Verse 11, Then these men assembled, found Daniel praying, making supplication for his God. Aha! They came near, spoke before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. They answered they and said to the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself. And set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. He labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. And then these men assembled on the king and said on the king, No, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is. There is no decree or statute which the king established may be changed. And then the king commanded, they brought Daniel, cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Now watch verse 17. And a stone was brought laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, or his ring, and with the signet of his lords, and that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Now, picture with me for a moment. Now you've got Daniel, and you're thinking, man, I wouldn't want to go into that place. Not only was he in that place with the den of lions, there was a rock that was put over that entrance. And when that king put his signet ring in the wax on that, that meant if anybody touched that... By the king's authority, it was a bad day for them. It was sealed by the king's authority. And that's the very same thing that we find when we go to Ephesians. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1 in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 and 14. Where did I have that in my notes? Anyway, I had, it some, I had something else I wanted to go to, but I don't see it. We'll, we'll go there. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Now, we've got to go to 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. In whom? Christ, that is. You also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest or the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. He literally is the authority of which no one can come and take Him or you away. You are sealed unto the day of redemption. That's why in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, which just went blank. And we know all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to His purposes. Because the Holy Spirit has sealed you. You are totally, 100% secure. Authenticated. Marked, sealed, and 
delivered. Ultimately, just as we read in verses uh, 30, that if you're saved, you are completely going to get to glorification. No question. No one gets lost. No one gets, gets drifted off. It's you start, you finish because the Holy Spirit seals you. Who's going to take it from the Holy Spirit? That would be no one. No one, no man. Sealed. Sealed. He comforts us in our sufferings. He intercedes for us in our sin. The word intercession again. I want to come back. That actually is described for us. Remember our, our study in 2 John, or 1 John, I'm sorry, 1 John chapter 2. Go with me there for a moment. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, God the Son is described for us as well as an advocate. That is an intercessor, if you will, as well, an advocate. <coughs> now, this is, uh, you know, attorneys <coughs> are lawyers. There's a lot of them in our country. And uh, I'll tell you what, just read verse one, chapter 2 and verse 1 of 1 John. It goes this way. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. The very defense attorney. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know who you've ever had for a defense attorney, but there isn't anyone, anywhere, any better, ever, than Jesus Christ. And he can stand as being your defense attorney against sin because he died for your sin. And if you've trusted Jesus Christ, Satan comes with all these accusations. You go to Revelation chapter 12 and you'll find he's the accuser of the brethren and Jesus Christ is not guilty. I paid for that. Not guilty. I paid for that. Not guilty. I paid for that. Isn't that beautiful? Now, that's what Jesus Christ does. He's literally interceding for you at the right hand of God. And the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. He's praying for you. He's literally groaning an unutterable... I can't even... It's not voices, but it's connected. And God himself understands what the Holy Spirit is saying. We can go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 27. Get that for a second. Do you see they're all intertwined... For your good. Ah, that's good stuff. Now, let's also look at this. We have a high priest. Um, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10 for a moment. Hebrews chapter 10. And verse 21. You see, when Jesus Christ died, he became our high priest. And we have a direct communication, a direct line a hotline, if you will, to him. We don't need any man, anyone between us, because he paid the price. Uh, chapter 10 and verse 21 of Hebrews says, and having a an high priest over the house of God. That's Jesus Christ. Now, turn back to chapter 7 and verse 25. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. But this man, verse 24, I'm sorry, first, let's start there. Verse 24, Hebrews chapter 7. But this man, Jesus Christ, because he continueth forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Speaking of him again, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. I'm telling you, is this not looking better all the time? This isn't somebody that you should hire and fire. This is somebody that is on board permanently, permanently for your good. In fact, uh, where is that in Hebrews? Someone help me for a second. Was it chapter um, eternal redemption? Uh, I'll, I'll get it in a second. It'll come to me. Let's take a look at, uh, at John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Now look at this. Now 
This is called the high priestly prayer. Jesus Christ is not very far away from literally going home, going to heaven, acting as your intercessor, and not yours directly then, but would be because he died for your sins. And let us look at, see, I have to keep this, uh, verse 9. Let's go for verse 9. Now, he's speaking, obviously, to those of which he sees and knows then. But watch his concern. Now, before you do that, before we do that, let's just stop. What's going to happen to Jesus? You know that from our perspective now. What's going to happen to Jesus not very long after this prayer? Now, he's, he's praying to God the Father for his disciples, for what's going to happen, because what's going to happen pretty soon, he's going to be betrayed. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be buried. He's going to raise again, and then he's going to leave them which they weren't very happy about, right? Because they said, oh, we don't want you to leave us. Man, you're the king. You're the guy that's going to get us out of thumb, on the thumb of the Romans. No, why are you leaving us? And he said, well, if I don't go, the comforter can't come. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know the Holy Spirit. And they're like, we don't care. We want you, right? Watch this. Watch Jesus Christ's concern and how he is so concerned about those. And let's start in verse 9. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now watch verse 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these, speaking of his disciples, those to come, are in the world, and I come to you, or to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Did you see that? In the time, there was going to be a time frame now that Jesus is going to be hanging on a cross. For three hours, God is going to turn his back on him. He's literally going to turn and say, I can have nothing to do with you because you are bearing the sins of the world. Bearing the sins of the world, hanging on the cross. And he says, during that time, think of this, think of this. During that time when I can't keep them, I want you, Father, to keep them safe. Oh, my goodness. And you think, you think you're not secure in Jesus? Think of what he did there. Amazing. Absolutely stunning. Wow. Intercession, once again, to rescue us when we have no resources. He pleads for our deliverance. He keeps us. And you say, well, I'm not worthy of that. Bingo. Bingo. No, of course, none of us are worthy of that. Thank goodness for that. In fact, if we were worthy, why would Jesus have to die? If you're here today and you're trying to save yourself, you're not going to make it. It isn't going to work. If you're trying to help Jesus save you, it's not going to work. It's all about him. Grace is fully, completely his package that is signed, sealed, and delivered. There's nothing that you can offer, nothing at all. It's his good, or, I'm sorry, our good, his glory. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 for a second. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. Looking at the security, the certainty of us being in Jesus Christ, that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. First Peter chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 3. First Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ 
from the dead. The only reason that you're here today and can have hope is one thing, and that's because of what Jesus Christ accomplished, not just on, 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 the, on the cross. If he would have died for your sins, and he was buried, and he didn't raise again, I would just tell you to go home now. Just pack up and go home. You've got nothing. Because it would be no different than Hare Krishna. It would be no different than Buddha, Muhammad. All of those that are still lying in state. Just give it up. But God saw fit to say, you know what? Jesus Christ fulfilled every aspect of what was needed for the sins of the world. And I'm going to prove it by raising him from the dead. And that's where your hope is today. A lively, a living hope placed on Jesus Christ because of the resurrection of Jesus. Let's keep going. To an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven. Now, isn't that, you know, I can look at vehicles, anything in this world, what does it do? It rusts, rots, or dies, right? I'm trying, it was just pretty bold, it was pretty blunt, it was pretty yuck, but that's the deal, isn't it? It rusts, rots, or dies. And that said, that our inheritance that was accomplished through Jesus Christ is incorruptible. It's reserved for us for eternity. Wrap your head around that. Isn't that great? That's our good, isn't it? Let's keep going, though. I told you we were going to go to verse 5. We're finally going to get there. Verse 5 says, who are kept. Watch. Oh, we need to do that again. I've got, to re- I've got to start over again because this is all one continuing thought. You say, really? You've got to do this again? Yes, I do. One more time. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, not giving us what we deserve, hath begotten or made us alive again with a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, comma, who are kept kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. How are you kept in salvation? By the power of God. It is not by you. It is not by works that you do. It is not anything other than literally the power of God. And to think that the Holy Spirit is interceding for you when you can't. And you know what else he does? The Holy Spirit is so good about this because I know it happened because there's there's a number of people in this group that have been praying for me and my family because the Holy Spirit works inside lives. And he says, you know what? Yes, I'm praying for them, but I want you to pray for them. In fact, we'll find that in Hebrews chapter 10. This is one of the reasons that we're assembled here even today is getting to know and to incorporate uh, the things that God wants and sees as being very important. Hebrews chapter 10, and let us look at verse 23. 23. Let us hold fast, firm, the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. In other words, to encourage one another in love and in good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as you're doing today, as the manner of some is, but exhorting, lifting up, encouraging, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I'm going to say something now. In the year 2019... And I don't know, how far should we go back? Should we go back 10 years? Should we go back 5 years? Should we go back 20 years? And for us, mom, what do you think? 50 years, 60, 70 years? Is it easier to be a Christian today than it was 60 years ago? Is it easier to be a Christian today than it was 5 years ago? 
I'm going to tell you something. According to that verse right there, every passing day as we get closer to the end, the more difficult it is to be a Christian because the system continues to be more corrupt, more diabolical, more over the top. I've never seen evil so rampant as this today. I literally haven't. And I'm, I turned 58 years old. Sorry about that. But I'm younger than some, older than a lot of you. But isn't it amazing? Every passing day, it's like evil is more on parade. It's crazy, isn't it? What's happened to our nation? What has happened to us? Where did we go wrong? We left truth behind, didn't we? We left God behind. Today, we're more interested in the weapons than we are the person holding the weapons. Cain didn't need a gun to kill Abel. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a heart problem, ultimately a head problem. And we have lost our way in this country today. It's disastrous. I'm looking at those candidates that are running for president. I can't even comment. I can't even comment. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? I read someplace where it says bizarre means trouble. So we're in bizarre. We got a lot of trouble going on. That's true. It's very, very true. It really is. No longer can we tell the, right, the difference between right and wrong. The one individual that's making the most noise about, I would say, religion or conservatism is a homosexual. What is, how does that coincide? How do you, where do you read in the Bible? How is that not, we, we can't even recognize truth. Is it any work? No, it's a sin, though. If you offend in one point, you're guilty of all. It's not hard. But what's happened? I'm getting a little bit off track, as you've noticed. I'm going down another branch. But the point of the matter is, if you've trusted Jesus Christ, you have benefits. You have part of that accessory package that's unbelievable. Knowing that the Holy Spirit lives within you. First of all, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives within you. And he is interceding for you. He is literally groaning and uttering unspeakables when you can't. See, that's what I love. I haven't got, when you're so stressed out, when there's nothing left, you have nothing left, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. Oh, that's, oh, that's good. Isn't that good? That lifts us up. Plus, the way he's working amongst his people is that Holy Spirit He's got a connection between Christians that's unbelievable. Isn't it amazing how you know someone's in trouble? I texted a couple of people this morning. just came to mind. I said, hey, thanks for really being that servant. You've got that heart. I love it. God loves that. You know, just boom. I don't know what it did, but I know God does. And it'll be just what they needed at just the right time. Not because I did it, because the Holy Spirit placed that in my heart. But here's the thing. Don't miss those opportunities. Don't miss those deals. Have you ever missed those? Oh, not right now. I'll do that 10 minutes later. And boom, it's gone. I remember not visiting someone in the hospital that passed away. I should have went, and I should have went, and I should have went, and I didn't. Ah, right? So those opportunities, don't miss them. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He's not only interceding for us individually, He's also interceding for the others through us. We're connected. We're a family, deeply connected. I want to go to something else in the sense of security of your, of your salvation. Uh, let us go to Philippians chapter 1. <clears throat> this is another is a, is a great thing for us to recognize. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Aren't you glad that God's 
He's, he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He loves you too much to leave you the way you are. That's why we, he's got some work to do. Look at this. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Now, again, let's remind ourselves, Paul being the, the, uh, the writer, uh, Holy Spirit being the author, but where was Paul in the time when he wrote Philippians? What was he doing? Was he taking a vacation? Was he taking a break? Was he at a retreat? Was he at a Bible conference? Was he, what was he doing? He was in prison. He was in prison literally because he was trusting Jesus Christ. And you say, whoa. Well, I'm telling you folks, get ready for it. It's going to happen here. I'm not saying just in Sheridan. I'm talking in this country today, in California, it is really illegal to say the things I'm saying to you today because that is hate speech. And hate speech can be, well, I, I don't know where it could go. But my point is this, not to scare you, I'm just telling you, right here in America, the freedoms of which we have been so blessed to have and to appreciate are slipping away very, very quickly. So get ready. But Paul, now what do you do when you go to prison? Get excited? Be joyful? Write letters to the Philippians? That's exactly what Paul did. Now think of that. And I'm sure the conditions weren't exactly splendid, but watch what he says. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, we'll start. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Just to point this out, every time you see Paul giving a greeting of that nature, you will never see those two words flipped because it's impossible. He never says, peace unto you and grace. Can't happen. Grace and peace. Because if you haven't experienced grace, you have no peace. Trust me, you do not. The Bible is very clear. And he goes on to say, verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Here he is in prison. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Watch verse 6. Being confident. Here's something we know again. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Literally, God the Father has established the sense of security. That is a security verse. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, you can know this. God loves you way too much to leave you just the way you are. He wants way more of you. He wants you to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's literally His purpose for you. He didn't save you just to give you a, a ticket to get out of to, uh, a fire insurance ticket to stay out of hell. No, no, no. It's much bigger than that. It's bigger, deeper, wider, more full and robust. He wants us to become like His Son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? And he's going to do it. He's going to continue that work. But I also want you to see the fact that the Holy Spirit is also interested. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 21. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 21. 2 Corinthians 1, 21. Watch again the, the Trinity working. Now, he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. God the Father has established us in Jesus Christ, who hath also sealed us. See that seal word again? And given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. All three of those very jointly commissioned to protect you, to guide you, to save you, with certainty you can know it. Man, this is, this is bigger and richer than we could even imagine. 
Did we go to uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25? I can't remember if we did. Just a second, I'll take a quick look. 25. Yeah, we did. Wherefore, he is able also to save us from the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. Speaking of God the Son. I'm thinking of a couple of guys of which, let's go back to Romans 8.28. For we know, we can count on it. Absolute fact. Don't have to wonder about it. And we know, what do we know? That some things, no, all things work sometimes, no, work together synergistically to the, for good, for good. That's the, pro, that's the bottom line. God wants your good, his glory. Satan wants to destroy you. He wants his... What, what if it would say this? And we know that all things work together for bad. Oh, right? Oh, oh. No, that's not what it says. For all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And where was I going to go next? Ah. That happens more often, doesn't it? All the time. Oh, two guys. Two guys. I got two guys in my mind. Things didn't always go right. Now, those of you, I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to see how many hands go up. Has, has, in your life, has everything went perfect all the time? Oh, look at this. Not one hand is going to try. There's not even any itching to try to go up, right? No, it's not that way, is it? In fact, these two guys that I'm thinking of, it was like life just became extraordinarily difficult. It was difficult almost day after day after day after day after day after day. And you get the, you know, ad nauseum, right? It just wouldn't quit. It wouldn't quit. <sighs> right? It makes you, <sighs> have you ever done that? <sighs> I have. God, what? 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 Right? I'm, I'm getting better about not asking why, but I'm, what? What do you want? <laughs> right? <laughs> See, I've stopped doing the why, now I do the what. What? <laughs> I want you to think about Joseph. This guy's not even very old. Not a lot of seasons. He's a teenager. Favored by his father. Bad idea. If you're a parent here today and you have favorites, stop that. <laughs> stop that. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even secretive, right? If you've got a secret in your mind, that's whatever, but don't do that. Jacob, on the other hand, not only was it his favorite, it was a public favorite, which makes the other siblings, oh, well, look at that little weasel, right? <laughs> Gives him a new coat, really a multicolored, beautiful, beautiful, I, I'm assuming it was a beautiful coat, right? At least it was highly sought after, highly thought of. And Joseph's, he's living, I think things were really good day after day after day after day when he's a teenager. And then he, there's this opportunity where his brothers catch him away from daddy. And they say, this is our time. And they actually have, there's different, Reuben, the oldest, was kind of, I think, more of kind of protecting himself. He says, well, after the boys kind of settle down a little bit, you know, we're going to throw him in this hole and, and uh, you know, we'll, I'll get him back to dad sometime. Well, he's gone and guess what they do? Well, they're eating lunch. That's the other thing. They've got these guys suffering in the bottom of this pit, right? And they're eating lunch. Oh, man. Calloused. But here comes the Ishmaelites. 
Do you see how complicated this is? Did, did you just think of that for a second? Where did the Ishmaelites come from? This isn't too deep. Ishmael, right? And Ishmael was who? He was the son of Abraham and Hagar. Where did that come from? Egypt. Did God? Oh, no, that was a bad idea. That was Sarah telling Abram, you know what? Let's fix this God problem because God can't apparently get us any, any, any uh, kids. So let's do this. Why don't you go ahead? Let's take Hagar, and she will be the, the mother of, our ch of the children that will just take us. And so God's having trouble getting this thing started. You ever, ever been in that situation? We just can't get God to get traction. He's just moving so slow, and I need to get moving. Quit lying. You should all raise your hand because you will always think God's a little bit slower than he should be. Was I too abrupt there? Amen. Tony's with me, so we're good. We're good. Okay, point of the matter is, is you know what? Sometimes we want to hurry it up. Sure enough, we hurried it up. Did you see what happened? You know what happened. Here's the Ishmaelites, and they're selling Jacob's son to the Ishmaelites that pay them money to take him into slavery. Okay, so begins Joseph's long journey of wowserness. I mean, it doesn't, there's not a good day. And he, if, if he had Romans 8.20, he'd say, right. But you know what? Let's take the story from the backside and try to figure out how would that work. There's a famine coming down the road here about, oh, I'm going to say 10 years. And we need to protect against that. The only place there's going to be food is in Egypt. How could we do that? I'm talking from Jacob's family now. If, if they even knew. Okay. But they don't. See, there's so many things we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone 10 years from now. We have no idea. But wouldn't you rather have the Holy Spirit interceding for you that knows what's in the future? And he, and, and again, one God, three personalities, but they're all together pulling for your goods. And it's not just about Joseph. And Joseph, we could reveal his whole story, but I'll tell you what, it'll wear you down, won't it? He does everything right at all the right times. Even this, uh, what was that, uh, what was it, Potiphar, his wife, makes advances on Joseph. And he said, no. And he ends up in jail. And if there, you can see one little break in the armor of, remember, and how, how are you going to get to Pharaoh? Let's, let's just say, let's say Joseph's now in prison, and they say, you know what, you're going to be second in line to Pharaoh one day, pretty soon. You are delusional. My life is straight downhill. What? Here comes the butler and the baker. Describes your dreams for them. Which one was it? The baker was, he was finished, right? And the butler was retained. He gets his job back. And Joseph, I'm going to go back and see if I can find this. Let's go back for just a second. You can see just a little bit of chink in Joseph wondering about how this is all going to work out. Uh, it's going to take me a minute because I, but I'm going to go to... Let's see, it's going to be in the 40s probably. Um, bump, 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 bump. Let's see, 45 maybe. Let's try that. Nope, it's not it. Oh, it's going to be early, isn't it? Here we go. Let's go to verse, chapter 40. There it is, Genesis chapter 40. Let's watch this unfold. Um, well, where am I going to find that? I'm, I'm looking for this. Okay, let's let's start in uh, let's start in verse eight. 
Boom. Here we go. Romans chapter, Romans. Genesis chapter 40, verse 8. They said unto him, we have dreamed a dream, and there's no interpreter of it. This is the butler and the baker. They've been thrown into jail because the Pharaoh is really disgusted with them. Joseph said unto them, do not, in, do not interpretations belong to God? <coughs> Tell me them, I pray you. The chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, behold, a vine was before me. In the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded and her blossoms uh, shot forth and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. The Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. I took the grapes, pressed them into Pharaoh's cup. I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Joseph said unto him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place. And thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner which thou wast his butler. Now watch verse 14. But think on me when it shall be well with you and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me and make mention of me unto Pharaoh and bring me out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. Do you see the, do you see the realness now? And you know the story. Three days later, three days, just three days, you know, Actually, Joseph is, he's kind of, this is going to work out. This is going to work out. And what happens? Absolutely nothing. In fact, how long was he there? Turn to chapter 41. It came to pass at the end of two, not just years, full years. Right? right, right. Have you ever had a full year? There's no way to get away from it, and it just piles and piles and piles and piles and piles and piles and piles in a full year, right? Once in a while, it's like that, isn't it? What's that? <laughs> no, it's just doing it now, and it feels so good, I won't do it again, though. For you, but isn't it something, when, it, when you're on a roll and it's really crummy, it just rolls and rolls. Two full years. And you can just see it. Did you see it? It's, oh... Oh, I can't take another one. And you know, at that point, that was the time. And think of this now. Think of this. At that time, we're, it was just another day. Just another day in prison. And he's looking. And you know Joseph. Hey, what do you need over there? Hey, it looks like you're kind of down, a little depressed. What are you thinking? Hey, guys, shh, cheer up. Cheer up. We're going to get out of this place. Hey, what? you look hungry. Let's see what I can do. That was who he was in prison. It just told, He was looking out for the needs of others. What a guy, right? But on this day, Pharaoh happened to have a bad dream. And the butler says, Aha! I remember where I have failed. And he says, By the way, Pharaoh, there is a guy in prison that told me what happened to me, and he was exactly right. He also told me about the baker guy, but that's another story. Um, but I think you should have him up. And you know what? That day, boom, he's popped out of prison, comes up, still gives credit to God. Oh, I don't know about dreams, but my God does. Tells it beautifully. And he doesn't look for anything. Did you notice? He doesn't look for anything. Read, read the passage this afternoon when you go home. He doesn't look for anything. He's just, just there, just doing his thing. And Pharaoh's thinking, no, he's not a dumb guy. He says, if that guy can tell me that dream, he needs to be on my team. Well, that was, did you see that rhyme there? I just, that, that, was, that was fresh. It wasn't that good a deal, was it? But all of a sudden, Pharaoh is, <laughs> I'm on a roll now, guys. But Pharaoh's got Joseph, and he's totally involved now, isn't he? Totally involved. And now guess what? Here comes the family. Here comes the family. They don't have any food. Now what would you do if you were Joseph now? Am I waiting for this? They got me. They used me. They took advantage of me. It's my turn. Right? That, that's how it works. That's how it works. 
What was he looking for? And there was a little bit of, there was, it would look like almost a little bit of, but you know what he was looking for? Is if they changed. And when he saw Judah, he, no, no, Joe, he didn't know him. He didn't know who he was. He said, no, no, you can't have the youngest brother. Let me stay in his stead because it will kill my father. That was when Joseph knew those brothers had changed. And that's what he's looking for. But it's even cooler than that. This is at the bottom of this. All at the end, and then they go through. They move down there. God protects them, provides for them. Through this one horrible full years in Joseph's life, and he protected his chosen people by doing that in a way that no one could have ever dreamt up. Jacob dies. Now the brothers are really uptight. That's the only reason that Joseph hasn't taken it. They're convinced because he'd respect his father. And they said, oh, 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 Joseph, by the way, dad said, dad said, don't harm us. You know, be nice to us. And it actually made Joseph weep because he saw right through it. He saw exactly what you're doing. And he said, I want you to go to this scripture. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 50 right now. This is a really cool verse for us. Genesis chapter 50. <clears throat> In fact, I want to set this up. Uh, verse 15, Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. They sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, Forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake it unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. They said, Behold, we be your servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? Watch this. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. That's an amazing, isn't that, I'm not just saying a story, that's an amazing truth. Watching it lived out in a course of years where a man followed through, and you know, if Romans 8.28 was in the Old Testament, it would have worked perfectly and absolutely true without question, unequivocally, exactly just the way it's supposed to be for our good and for God's glory. One more, and then I'm going to just leave. It's not just very shortly. There's another man that I'm thinking about. Had a great start. It was awesome. In fact, God thought a lot of him. Just kind of actually, he might have been, he might have been his star. And you know who I'm talking about now, right? Job. Job. And Satan prancing around. And Have you seen my servant Job? Right, sure, you betcha. Give him everything he wants. What do you think he's going to be? Take it away, he's a loser. He says, go ahead and take his stuff. What did Job do? Lord giveth, Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yay, Job. Now, oh, did you, one, one, one really key component here. Job didn't know the conversation between God and Satan. Big deal, Right? It would have been a lot tougher than, I know it's coming. I can hang on. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. No, he didn't know that. He just re he responded. So Satan goes back. He says, all right, God says, you see, how'd Job do for you? Skin for skin. Make it hurt. He's a loser. Go ahead. What did Job do? 
Just took it. Just took it. Yep. His wife had finally had enough. And I, I'm not as critical. A lot of people are critical. as his, I'm not. Personally, I'm not. I, to, to, for his wife to see all of that, it was her kids, too, that died. It was her wealth. It was her, it was her stuff, too. And she finally just, she cracked. She, all she could take, and she said, Job, curse God and let's die. This is done. And he even took that and he said, you're talking like a heathen woman. What, what, are, you, what are you doing here? God's in charge. He's in control. Did it look like it? Ooh. And then come the friends. Job is in misery physically, struggling immensely. Here comes the friends. What, where did they go wrong? Open their mouth. That's right. Now, did you notice? Now, I, I, I thought of this this week because I was thinking how differently it is. Um, I mean, even in this body or many other church bodies around the nation or around the world, uh, not subject to any place, is the sense of this. The friends, the, the quote, Christian church body, the friends that make a difference are the ones that pray. Did you know what Job's friends didn't do? They didn't pray. I can't find it there anyway. Now, they may have been, you know, oh, God, what are you going to... You know what they were only concerned about? It seems this is how all the conversations started. Well, listen carefully. If you look through it, all of the conversation that they started was the fact, man, poor Job, he must have done something wrong. If he would only confess that, then God would take care of it. Now, that is not what Job wanted to hear. Now, do we like to hear that? No. Now, we're just suffering, right? And... When they start talking about, well, you know, Job, you've got to get this right. Just talk, God, God will listen to you. And Job is starting to say, you know what? I am sick of this. I am, I didn't do anything wrong. And you know what? That's when the self-pity starts to come. And the self-righteousness and the me, myself, and I were invited to that party. And it's all about him then, isn't it? And he's asking the why questions. And guess what God does? He comes on board and says, oh, smart guy. Where were you? And, you know, there's like two chapters of that. Where were you when the oceans were formed? And where were you when we had the span of the earth set? And where were you when... I want to show you how Job responded. Let's go to chapter 42 of Job, last chapter. Job, i got to find Job. <clears throat> Job. Job, 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 there it is. Job chapter 42. Let's look at this. Job 42, verse 1, Job answered the Lord and said, and, and again, for, for your reading, uh, read those last, like 40, uh, chapter 40 and 41. I mean, God is, he's, he's unfolding. He said in, verse thir- in 2, verse 2, chapter 42, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered, have I uttered that I understood not, things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee and, de- and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And you go on and read the rest of the story, and God basically doubled everything that he had. But when was he the better man? Before or after? You, you know the answer, after. When was Joseph really I mean, when the character was really revealed and we started to chip away and make him a man of God, it was after. See, these things in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, literally are once again, you're going to fill in the blanks. It is for our 
good and for God's glory. That's how it works. And here's the key component. Everyone has a time when you just can't probably take much more. And no one knows when that time is. But here's the thing that we absolutely know beyond a shadow of a doubt. If you have trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, number one, the Holy Spirit is literally praying and interceding for you. Jesus Christ is on the right hand of God interceding and being your advocate. And God the Father has purposed that your good ultimately to be uh, glorified in heaven one day. All of those things working for you, plus the fact other body members, other Christians are picking up signals from the Holy Spirit to be praying and interceding for you. That, my friends, is a fantastic message about the salvation that you have in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for what you've given to us and what you've provided, what you've promised. Uh, it's certain that we are secure in Jesus Christ. We are secure in the promises that you have given to us. We can know that. And Father, when we don't even know what to pray, when we don't even know what to do, the Holy Spirit is literally praying for us, rescuing us, when we have nothing to give, we have nothing to depend on, He is there for us. Father, work in our hearts as well as individuals, as church members, in the sense, not members in the sense of a, a role, but I'm talking about being born again in Jesus Christ, that we would be open and receptive to the signals of the Holy Spirit reaching out and having us to encourage, to exhort, to lift up, to bring the best out. Help us, Father, not to be selfish and, and narcissistic, thinking about our own situations, but looking beyond, outside of it, having a servant's heart. I think even of Job, we didn't talk about it now, but uh, God, God had actually asked Job to pray for his friends, and he did. He was always looking for others as well, just as Joseph was. What was meant for evil, God meant for good. Father, protect us and provide for us. Thank you for the promises that we can lean on and, and build our lives on because we can know that you are our God. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Thank you in Christ's name. Amen.